When I was um, a young teenager and as a kid, I've uh, told you how I was raised. I was raised in the church, and when the church doors were open, uh, we were there, and that's understandable. Um, I, uh, I've shared this many times, some of you will know, but there are many new people here, that one time, of course, uh, Disney and Lassie, how many's ever heard of Lassie? Lassie and Disney came on on Sunday night. And when I would go to school on Monday, all the kids would be talking about what Lassie did and what uh, happened on Disney. And I never was able to go. And, uh, and so one Sunday night, we had a gas heater, uh, propane gas for our old house. And I don't know if it's 35,000 BTUs. I don't know what it was. It's located in the living room. And uh, when it was on, it was supposed to heat every room in the house, three bedrooms, one, two, three. And we only had six kids. And there's one bathroom and one sink for six kids and mom and dad. And the grace of God, you, you figured out, you figured out when you could get the jump on everybody else. My brother Lamar, who's here, was always good at that. Uh, and uh, at any rate, the, the heater was it. And it was Sunday afternoon. It was cold, cool, whatever. And I laid in front of that heater until I got my forehead really, really wet, hot. And I thought, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be hot. And I'm going to tell my mother, you know, uh, I'm burning up with a fever. And so after I stood there as long as I could take it, um, I ran to her and I said, Mama, fill my forehead. And she felt it, said, oh, you're burning up, you know. Um, and I said, well, I, I can't go to church tonight with this kind of fever. She said, oh, yes, you can. Because we believe in healing. And we'll take you down front anoint you with oil in James 5.14. The pastor up there will pray the prayer of faith. I thought, oh God, now I got to go down the front of the church and let him pray for me. And, uh, and so I, I had to go to church, you know, and I think about the time that they call people who needed prayer. I, I went to the bathroom and, uh, but at any rate, uh, I also, uh, that was, that was it in my raising, we were not supposed to go even to the movie theater, no matter what the movie was. It was a real blessing when I finally went to the theater that my mom and dad knew about is uh, when the cross and the switchblade came to town and we were able to go into the Ritz theater and watch cross and the switchblade. Now, my sister is 11 months younger than I am. Everything that I ever did, she tattled. She told mom and dad, she couldn't wait to get home. She says, the only reason I'm in the ministry today is because of her and her telling on me. And, and that was uh, so, so unfortunate. You weren't allowed. I couldn't, I couldn't go play pool, you know, that mom and dad knew anything about. Uh, no, none of that. So it was a kind of a walk of what you can't do. And I was trying to figure out when I was 13, 14, and 15, well, pray tell, what in the world that's fun can I do? You know, because we, we worked all the time. 
So as a result of that, uh, I kind of had a, a guilt complex, and that's why I got water baptized. You know, I thought, man, every time the altar, when I lock, every time the altar's open, I better hit the altar, you know, because I know mom and dad don't know, and my sister doesn't know. But I got to tell you, God, there are some things you know that I did this week that I need forgiveness of. I did that altar. And as a result, I got water baptized three or four times. I just want to be sure that I had it all right. Can you believe I did all those things? How many of you believe that I did all those things? Thank you for not raising your hand. God bless you. You still have faith in me. But it was, it was that way. Uh, and finally, one day, uh, it, it, I, I locked it in. It wasn't that my relationship with Christ, I locked it in to believe that God's not so willing to easily just kick me out of the family. Amen? To kick me out of the family. In my life as a kid, um, we, we didn't have a, that I'm aware of, a child abuse law. That's why that you, you didn't get a spanking where I was at and raised. You got a whipping. Amen? Amen. My dad's belt sung when it came out of those belt loops hit us and if it didn't do it he always carried a pocket knife we had we had oak trees that I cursed more time than once to die because my dad would reach up and grab an oak switch zip the leaves off of it and buddy he tore me up but you know I always reconciled it to keep from getting that in my heart because I thought I'm getting a spanking and there was one time I got a spanking for something I didn't do just once. And I chalked that off because I thought, hallelujah, I'll take this for all the things they don't know that I did. <laughs> so I'll just kind of put all that in one big old pot, you know, and uh, got, it, got it covered. Uh, so I lived in water baptism. I, I didn't understand our series is Jesus versus or is bigger than religion. I didn't totally understand the grace and the mercy of God. And I'm going to talk to you about that. And if you have your Bibles, your iPad, uh, and uh, your phone or whatever it is that you want to look at, or really there's something antiquated in the pew back in front of you, it's called a Holy Bible. It's a hardback cover. If you see it, just recognize it. You may want to turn to Romans, the eighth chapter. Now, the Apostle Paul is writing to us today. Here's what's going to happen. All of you online, matter of fact, put your hands together and let's welcome our, our huge online audience. You can take a look. So here we go, Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in His likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Who did not live according to the sinful nature but according to to the Spirit. Now, you read that, you say, well, now explainify that, Pastor. Or some of you say, I got it, I understand it. But I'm going to take us all through it, and hopefully the anointing of the Holy Spirit will help us understand. There are religious people, 
And there are people of conviction and relationship. You see, conviction and relationship says, I don't look at God as an icon or the cross. I look at him as my Lord and Savior. I have a personal relationship with him. I don't need to go through the church. I don't need to go through the preacher. I don't need to go through anyone else. I have a right standing relationship with Jesus. He has forgiven me of my sin. Now, religious people are individuals that often have to go through some kind of a process and do so many good works, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And often relationship people will look at religious people and say, oh, they're all wrong. They're all wet. You know, and we say that because we've never really taken time to take a look at any of what might be their beliefs. But I want to share with you, I have. And there are some similarities and overlaps as it relates to the, to the promises and the guidelines and laws of Christianity can be found in some. For example, how many of you remember the golden rule? Here it is. I know that you do. And it's this, do unto others as you would what? As you'd have them do unto you. Golden rule. Do unto others you'd have them do unto you. Here's what the Muslim golden rule says. Here it is. It says, not one of you is a believer until he loves his brother as he loves himself. That's similar. We know that Aristotle said, we should behave to our friends as we wish our friends to behave to us. That's similar. Plato, may I do to others as they should do unto me. Judaism, here it is. What you hate, do not do to anyone. And religion says, here are the oughts and here are the ought not. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Abolition of Man, shared some similarities in some of these religions and Christianity. He said, here's some that you'll find similar. Number one, don't harm others with word or deed. Number two, honor your parents. Number three, be kind to siblings and to the elderly. By the way, what age do you have to be to be elderly? How how many of you know somebody elderly? What makes them elderly? A turn in the calendar? Is it? Or is it because you see them? Is that elderly? You see, I think your body cannot be as agile as it used to be, but you can be young as you want to be between your ears. Amen? I believe that. I've seen elderly people at 45 years of age. And I've seen young people at about 75 or 80 years of age. Just never, never get them down. Now that we've covered that, you can take that promise and put it in the bank. Well, no, you used to could, but you can't anymore. Respect the elderly. Care for those that are weaker than you are. Put others first. That's it. Like leaving the parking lot. A long line and you stop and you let somebody out. That's putting others first. And then be honest in all your dealings. Nothing underhand or under the table, etc. Here it is again. We believe in the relationships. We are relationship people and not religious. So here it is. I'm going to ask you to look inside your heart. You don't have to raise your hand. Be thankful for that. But I'm going to ask you a few questions. You are relation. The majority of you are relationship people. So, so here it is. Uh, uh, don't, don't raise your hand. Have you ever in your life 
harmed someone by something you said or did. You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you at some point in your life dishonored or disobeyed your parents? Okay. How many of you have ever been unkind to a sibling, a brother, or a sister? How many of you have ever been dishonest in your dealings with someone else? You have the leverage and you put it to them. Well, how many of you have ever told a lie? Okay, here's what the Bible says. I want to help you. Everybody you know, including the here and now, have fallen short of the glory or the expectations of God. Even on your best day as a little old saint, you've made your share of mistakes. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, we know that we're all to live toward a pure heart and enjoy that. But can I tell you something? We all have failed. Here it is. Understanding that just because we're Christians in relationship with Jesus Christ does not make us perfect. What it is is this. It makes us prepared but not perfect. That should the rapture take place and the old bugle blow, hallelujah, we are prepared. Amen. The church is not filled up with perfect people. The church is filled up with a group of people that are scarred and broken, messed up, sin, but yet we have that forgiveness that comes in the love of Jesus Christ. You're not the way you used to be. You see, you see, we all know that we shouldn't lie, but we know that we fall short of the glory of the Lord. And when that happens, here's what happens. When you fail, when you sin, when you, let's just put it, when you do something you know you should not do, here's what happens. It pricks your conscience. And here's how you know that, con- how many of you have a conscience? You go ahead and raise your hand. I'll tell you, if you don't have a conscience, I'll tell you why in just a moment. For those who did not raise your hand, I know who you are now. <laughs> you have what's called guilt. Everybody with me? Guilt. Yep. Guilty. You don't have to have an authority come and tell you guilty. You know in your heart of hearts, hey, I blew it. I told, well, it was just a little white lie. How many of you know that lies don't have a color? They're not white. They're not black. They're not in between. A lie is a lie. It is a lie. Guilty. So here we go now. We understand that in this presentation of ministry. And if you violate what you know, this is right, and you fail to feel any guilt, it means your conscience has been violated to the point of no guilt. It's because that your relationship with God has become hardened. Hardened. That God does not have the ability to prick your spirit. And cause you to feel, I did wrong. And listen, friend, understand this. 
God may give you free grace, free grace, free grace, free grace, free grace, and you involve yourself in things that you know that's wrong, but because you've never been caught, you no longer can feel the guilt of what you're doing. Human nature is stubborn. And human nature learns to deal with its own guilt. And here's what happens. Let's say you violate and you're conscious and you've got, you're guilty and you know it. And you're stubborn and you're prideful. Oh, don't tell me what I did was wrong. Oh, no, nobody can touch you. Here's what we often do. We medicate too much. We become a nervous wreck. Our life gets out of whack. And we medicate in order to settle down. Or we try to do long positive things. We think, I'll do, man, I'm going to get rid of this guilt. I'll apologize, apologize, apologize to get rid of it. Or listen, others think, I'm just going to be a slave of the past. I blew it. I'm nothing but dirt. And I'm going to go back. I was not a good parent. I lived like the devil. I never took my kids to church. I know that I should have. You cannot go back and reparent. But what you can do is live the positive life of what it means to serve Jesus Christ and let those your children and your grandchildren see the love of God in the way that you live and what the priorities of your life happens to be today unless you understand the forgiveness of Jesus you will always try to figure out I just blew it I can't believe that I did it I'm a failure how do I what do I do with my past how do I get rid of that voice? How do, I, how do I get rid of that guilt, that sin? And I could tell you how it happened. Number one, Jesus showed up. Say it with me. Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up. He was sent from God as a Savior, the Redeemer of all mankind and everyone to die. And here's what happened. He died on the cross. The only one that professed to be God died on the cross, went to the tomb. This separated him from the boys that said they were God, went to the tomb. On the third day, the stone rolled away. He came forth alive and he's still alive today at the right hand of the Heavenly Father. Amen. That makes him the one who paid the price for your sin. For your sin. Romans 8.1 says, now as a result of that, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here's what he said. You put all that under the blood and you remind the devil every time he brings it up that he is assigned to the pit of hell for the rest of his eternal life. That little Greek word, condemnation, and the legal term means you've been tried, found guilty, and you are condemned. And we know what condemned means. Paul said, if you're in Christ, no matter what you've done, he said, you are, you are no longer condemned. You are free from that guilt and that shame. A religious system may continue to condemn you. Uh, Your friends may continue to condemn you. And sometimes you may feel that your need is to spend the rest of your life trying to overcome being condemned. Do not rob the power of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ by living a condemned life. When the blood has covered your life, celebrate the fact, no longer am I condemned, but I am liberated and freed by the power of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Christ. Romans 8, 2 tells you 
how to get to the place of being what I call uncondemned. Romans 8, 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set men free from the law of sin of death. So what would you see? Two laws. Here it is. Two laws there. The law of sin and death and the law of the Spirit of life. You and I, when born, are governed by the law of sin and death. You look at that little baby and say, oh, that little baby is so innocent. That's for sure. But just let that baby grow. Give them their own toys. And then invite another visiting baby in. Your baby can crawl around or maybe just barely walk around. It doesn't matter what that little visiting baby does, what toy that little visiting baby takes. Most every time, your little perfect angel will go over to the little visiting baby and say, uh-uh, mine. That's mine. You can't have it. You know how they respond? They bite. <laughs> how many's ever been bitten by a baby? Sure. Bitten by a baby, it hurts. How many's ever been bitten by your spouse? No, I won't go there. <laughs> okay, so when you harm someone with word or deed in relationship, when you harm them, something dies. Married couples, if you harm your spouse, something dies. Nation, when you harm God through the power of sin, abortion, all that goes with it, something dies in the conscience of that nation. When any culture just puts their fist in the face of God and say, this is how we're going to live and what we believe, no matter what that book, something dies in that culture. And that's why that what we call revival needs to take place. What does revival do? Revival comes and said, you erred here, 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 and here. You've rocked off way on that track. What you need is a good old-fashioned revival. Do you know what it means? Revival means repent, repent, repent. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and repent and turn away from their wicked way, they will hear from heaven. That's when revival comes down and the true uh, spirit of law and mercy comes into play. I need grace. I don't know about you, but I and I need mercy. And Paul writes, you have it. Every time we sin, something dies. But here's what Paul says. Okay, that's under the function of, the, of, the, of sin and death. But he says there is a different law. It is the law of the Spirit. Now, every time you take off in a jet, and that baby goes up, what happens to the law of gravity? Does the law of gravity just go away forever? No. Gravity is just as strong as it ever was. But that jet propulsion causes that plane to lift. And when that plane lifts, it defies the law of gravity. Everybody understand it? Here it is. Here it is. You see, 
the law of sin and death is always going to be around as long as you're in this body on in this, and in this planet. But when you experience the forgiving power of Jesus Christ, the spirit of life overcomes the law of sin and death and say you may be condemned by your own ways and what you decided. But if you've asked Jesus to come into your heart, the law of the spirit causes you to rise above the law of sin and death and you now have been redeemed by the grace of God, not by your works, but because of his sacrifice. (coughs) That's the beauty of who you are. Wow. Why should you go through life carrying that burden of shame all the time? Yeah, but pastor, somebody said to me the other day, (coughs) you know, There are the consequences when you sin like that that last a lifetime. I'm not into consequence. You don't have to pray for consequence. They're automatic. Amen? Amen. They're automatic. But what you can do is to live the kind of life so that a person who's trying to find consequence in you, they can't see it because what they see in you is a life that's lived by the grace and peace and forgiveness of Almighty God. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, a little yard talk here, ain't nobody in this room, ain't nobody out there online that's perfect, amen? We understand what consequence is. And the only way, listen, to get back in relationship with someone that you've offended is to forgive the offender. The only way when something dies because of sin, you've heard the only way for that relationship, let's say in your marriage to be healed, is for the person who's offended to say, I forgive you. And then you're back into right relationship. Well, I just don't. I'm not easy one to forgive. I like to hang them out over a fire for a little while. Whatever you do, my friend, it's going to come back multiplied over into your life. Amen. Here's what I'm willing to do. I'm going to forgive you at lickety split. Amen. And I'm going to do my best to forget what I saw you do or what you confess and put it under the blood of Jesus Christ and say, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Well, but you know that you will. I know you will. You little rascal. We all do, don't we? Well, I'm a Christian. Here's my badge. Yeah. But the reality is, here's what God knew, that we would always need forgiveness. So take a look at Romans 8, verse number 3. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of a sinful man to be the sin offering so that he condemned sin in the sinful man. What is the law? What the law was powerless to do means that the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments could not stop you from sin. 
You broke and we break the Ten Commandments. So you could have followed the rule, follow the Ten Commandments, follow the guidelines, follow all the regulations and say, I'll do better next time. But how many of you know that there have been many times we said we do better next time, but there came a next time. Amen. I'll never do that again. And before you know it, you're doing it again. And you know what the devil does? He beats you down. Say you got the backbone of a jellyfish. Every time you say that you're going to do better, you don't. Here's what you fail to remember is that the law of sin and death no longer controls, but the law of the Spirit of Christ that said, yes, I blew it over and over and over again. And I made mistakes, but here's what I know. My Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and he no longer condemns me because I asked him for forgiveness. Well, though, does that mean you just go out and, and live like the devil? Nope. That's cheap grace. Well, I bent over and shook the preacher's hand. I did a little confession. Amen. I'm looking for Jim Beam out here. I'm going to load up on old Jimmy. You know, I, want, I don't know the name of another one or I'd say it. <laughs> Jim, I have a cousin. <laughs> what? You know Jack Daniels? Oh, Jack Daniels. Oh, yeah. Well, then you got Jim and you got Jack. It doesn't mean you go over there and take up old Jim and, and, and what would you say his name was? Jack, yeah. Do you know they have the lemon flavored now? Did you know that? <laughs> and cinnamon. Well, how do you know that? Because when people come in and confess that, what they usually bring, what they usually bring is their bottle with them. And I have them all right there. But listen, it doesn't mean you live like the devil. It means that you humbly say, God, I'm sorry. Because I live in this old body here. God, I want you to know I never want to take you for granted, but I sure need forgiveness. Amen. And when I say I won't do it again, I'm trying to function out of my own will, but I know I can't make it without you. And when you come in and help me, and if I stay true to you, you will cause me to be more than an overcomer through Christ Jesus. That's what it says. So here's what he says. When Jesus, or when God sent his son, he became the supreme sacrifice for sin. And of course, there's absolutely nothing that I can do. I can't buy it. I can't work at it. I can't earn it. It is simply a free gift to me, the power of salvation. And Romans 8, 4 says, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. It says righteous requirement is this. The righteous requirement of the law is this. Please pay close attention. It's this. I will never harm anyone else in word or deed. 
or I will always honor my parents. And I will always be kind to my brother and sister and the elderly and the homeless. I will be honest in every dealing. I will never lie. I will always care for those weaker than me. And I will always put others first. That's the law. That's the law of sin and death. But here's what Jesus knew. You can't keep that way on your own. You can't keep that way on your own. None of us in this room could accomplish that on our own. For in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met, it's through Jesus Christ who takes our sin, who takes our misgiving, who takes our mistakes and place them on the shoulder of Jesus Christ and he bears our burden and our sin. Amen? Amen. That's why we celebrate when we come into worship and we worship and celebrate him for what he has done. God understands that. And so here's what, when Paul is writing here in Romans and the book of Romans, he said, I'm giving you my son and all the consequence and punishment and condemnation that you deserve, I placed it on his shoulders. And the minute that you receive him as Lord and Savior for what he has done for you, your past is dealt with and your unrighteousness is dealt with and you become the righteousness of God in Christ. And so religion says do what you ought to do. The problem is we don't. And unless there is a bridge to help us overcome the chasm of our weakness to the place of our forgiveness, we will be eternally lost. But here's what Jesus said. I go to the Father. I'm at the right hand of the Father. I make intercession for you that in your weakness, if you lean on me, I will make you strong. And then he said to those in Acts, and I am coming again. And if I come again, I'm going to receive you unto myself. So I'm sitting here today, and I'm coming coming back tonight, but I want you to know if the rapture should take place and that trumpet should sound, all 150 pounds of me is going to go up and meet the Lord in the air. Amen. Put your hands together. Some of you seem to laugh when I talked about 150 pounds. How do you come up to that? Because fat is lighter than muscle. Would you stand? You love Jesus? Father God, we thank you. We are destroyed unless we fall in love with you. I don't want to be religious. I don't want to just hang on to a church. I want to love Jesus. And God, I want to honor you with my humble heart. How can I express worship to you? There are people in this room, God, who've never really unlocked their heart to full worship, to full humility. There are things that still in their heart today, though they are professing Christians, there are places in their life they've never let you into control. They put the parameters out there and have convinced themselves that that's good enough.
But God, you're not looking for a compartmentalized heart. You're looking for a heart absolutely that's melted down out of humility. That said, I'm going to choose to follow you, Jesus. I want you to be the Lord of my life. You'll take my mistakes and my mess ups. And you'll still forgive me and you'll love me. As long as I remain humble and ask you for forgiveness. So God, I'm looking to you now to do that. There may be some of you listening online or in this room. You've got a bad past and you made some huge, huge mistakes and sin. I'm telling you today, nail that to the cross. Put it at the altar. It is gone and not remembered anymore by Jesus Christ. I'm telling you there are things in your life that maybe you did before that you just feel if somebody knew about that, they would hate me. Well, let me tell you, they don't know about it. And number one, Jesus knew about it and he forgave you. And then he forgot about it and cast your sin into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. He's not going to knock on your door every time you come to the altar and say, do you remember what you did 25 years ago? Nope, that's not going to happen because it's gone and he loves you. So just in case some of you in this room are fighting and you need forgiveness and maybe you've let the enemy control your past to try to control you and you want to be free and liberated from that. I'm asking everybody, that's everybody in the room to repeat this prayer with me right now. Would you do that? Here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I confess my sins. I ask you to forgive me. I come with a humble heart. I need you. I realize I cannot forgive and get rid of unrighteousness, but you can. So take my heart, take my mind, and purify it by the grace of God. I love you, Jesus. Amen. You believe God answered prayer, don't you? It's all right to put your hands together, clap the Lord. So you need to pray, don't you? Some of you are not well in your body. You need a miracle. Sunday night was two weeks ago and Sunday morning, people responded and some of those individuals were healed. I can tell you there's healing in the house. And tonight, we're going to get into praise and worship. And we're going to believe that God will come down in a spectacular, stupendous way and bring healing with him. And it works in praise. So if you need to come, or maybe in your heart of hearts, maybe you've got kids and you feel like a jerk because you didn't serve God and you didn't go to church. Why don't you just come on down to the altar and in your heart of hearts, when you come, you're bringing them in your heart of hearts and say, God, one day they're going to know the truth because I pray for them every day. You just come on down as we sing this song. Hang with me. Don't leave, please, until we give the benediction. Here we go, everybody. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul.
Heavenly Father, I thank you today. Another word, another message, another moment for you to speak to us, and you have. So we leave here today with the assurance that if we ask you to forgive us, we are forgiven. We leave here with the assurance if we are forgiven, we're not condemned anymore. And we're not going to let the devil try to condemn us all the stinking time. But God, we're going to live toward victory. God, we're going to do our best, and when we fail to do our best, and maybe a moment of weakness or whatever the case, we know that you still are able to forgive us if we ask you. So would you give us wisdom and guidance? Would you touch our families? Would you touch our church? And then, Lord, I pray ahead of schedule for that service tonight, I ask you to come down in a special way. I ask you to come down in a divine way. I ask you, supernatural Holy Spirit, to do a miracle in the service tonight. And we'll give you praise and honor in Christ's name. Amen. I'd love to meet you personally. Right out in the lobby to the right, I'll say hello to you. Shake hands with somebody that you think looks better than you do. And God bless you as you go home or go to McDonald's.